When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. Here are your co-hosts, Doug Maurice and Shahan Jeharaja. Doug and Shahan back. We're going to be talking about the fringe today, Shahan. Do you wear clothing with fringe ever? Ever worn any fringe clothing? I don't know what your, what your drip is like. I don't know if, if fringe is in. I can confirm that I... Not wear fringe, no. Uh, Ferris Bueller's girlfriend wore a fringe jacket, right? That was popular. So back in, I don't know when that was. Yeah, that was the the 80s? That was the the, the Reagan years? I don't know if it came back around, no? It's, as far as I know, it has not come back around. Be on alert. When you're shopping at Target, just see if, <laughs> if there's any fringe in the aisles. Never know. Uh, so, but we're going to talk about uh, Ole Miss. We're going to talk about Oklahoma State. We're going to talk about Tennessee. What I want to talk about, what we decided, Shahan, is to me, the fringe playoff contenders, I think it that includes everybody except seven teams. And here are the teams, and I know we have our playoff rankings. We currently have 10 teams in our playoff rankings. We're going to kick somebody out very shortly. We have five teams we might let in today. So we could get up as high as 12. That's our max that we can talk about. But even within that, I think there are levels to this, Shahan. So I think, and tell me if I'm wrong, Georgia, Alabama, primary playoff candidates, obviously. Clemson and the ACC with who they've been and the way they're playing, primary. Ohio State and Michigan in the Big Ten, sort of like whoever wins on November 26th, as long as they stay on that path. And then USC and Utah in the Pac-12. Again, when they play in a couple weeks, maybe the loser of that game will fall off. But we thought going into the season, you know, the the, the winning team of that, maybe they have to beat the same team twice if they meet again in the Pac-12 championship. But I think even with Utah's loss to Florida, I think they're both on track for that. And primary is like, you know absolutely what the path is. It's a They're pretty much in control of their own destiny, even though that's seven teams for four spots. And you think they have enough talent, opportunity, everything there that it you can, the path is there and you can see them walk in it. Is that a fair group of primary teams? I think so. No, I think I think that you're right. Basically, every one of these teams has a path to the playoff. Now, maybe maybe we end up in a position where, you know, if Georgia goes 12 and one and loses in the SEC championship game, maybe they box out a Pac-12 champion, but maybe not. You know, I think that if if I those teams finish with only one loss, they're going to be in pretty good shape. So. Ultimately, yeah, I, I think that these are the seven teams with the most direct paths right this second to the college football playoff. All right. So then we're going to everybody else is in a fringe playoff contender. No offense to them. It doesn't mean they're not good. It just means you have to squint a little harder to see their path, to see their talent, to see their opportunity. So we're going to pick the teams of the, who we think the realest teams are. On the fringe, and that means we're going to discuss some of the teams that we might let into the playoff conversation. Again, as we go through this, kicking a team out each week, 
talking about letting teams in and then ranking teams at the end, it's a snapshot of now. So just because a team's not in our discussion now doesn't mean we think they're, they couldn't be real in November. So we're going to have sort of two different discussions there. Who's, who has the, the greatest true opportunity to be around for another month and a half? But we're going to start off by doing our regular thing, Shahan. And there's two candidates, and there's really only one candidate. I When we put this out to our Twitter followers, and we keep adding Twitter followers because people want to vote. You want to help make the show CFB Survivor Show on Twitter. We kick a team out each week. There are, We have 10 teams in right now, and eight of them are undefeated. And Utah has one loss, and Baylor took its second loss last Saturday. So I had to say, like, oh, is it, is it Utah or is it Baylor? But, you know, I mean, Baylor lost to BYU and lost to Oklahoma State. Uh, 94% say kick out Baylor. 6% say kick out Utah. Art. Are you sad that maybe we're done talking? Not I don't, I don't even know if it's maybe. We're done talking about Baylor for the whole year. People know that Shahan went to Baylor. He that means he knows a lot about Baylor. He he is not a biased person. He's very open minded, except about fringe. Goodbye Bears. Sad? Like what do we think? Are you surprised that we're already done with Baylor? And do we agree on that? I don't want to put words in your mouth. We're done with them. No, it, it is an interesting situation because I think that you know. Baylor played a double overtime game against BYU and then, you know, it was an 11 point game last week, but like there was a kick return for a touchdown. Like, so it's like, I think the question becomes like, were we just wrong about Baylor? Right. Were they actually not that good? And I don't think that that's my takeaway, but they're clearly out of the discussion, right? Like they're clearly, clearly out of the discussion. This isn't the same as when we kicked out Oklahoma, right? Where we were right about Oklahoma to not let Oklahoma in at the beginning of the year. Then after they won and we won, we're like, all right, we'll let them in. And then it was like, oh, no, 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 not Oklahoma. This is a reminder. This is Baylor's great reward for scheduling a very tough non-conference opponent in BYU, where they went on the road. Frankly, if they had won, they wouldn't have gotten as much credit as if they had beaten Florida, even maybe like like Utah went and played Florida. Like it was a... It was probably a bad equation for Baylor of the credit you would get for the win, how difficult the game is, and how much it hurts you if you lose. Because we have a situation where Baylor lost to BYU, which we still think is a really good team. And we're going to talk about, at the end of this podcast, some of the bigger games coming up this weekend. And we're going to talk about BYU-Notre Dame just for nostalgia. But Baylor lost to it on the road in double overtime to a good team. And then Baylor lost to maybe the best team in its conference. And we're like, well, that's it for you. Congratulations. You still might be good, but this is the schedule that you admirably chose. And it means that you're out. It's a tough life, man. (laughs) Well, and this is one of the reasons why, you know, we, we put seven teams up on the board. Technically, there are still three undefeated teams left in the Big 12, all of whom would technically very much be alive for the college football playoff. And we'll talk about some of them and, and have a discussion about them. But this is one of the things is that the Big 12 is kind of hell this year. I, I mean, top to bottom, it is pretty daunting. I, actually, if you look at the SP Plus ratings over at ESPN, Every single Big 12 team is rated in the top 55 right now. And the only team that's 55, and this is because there's still predictive data involved, is Kansas, who is 5-0. So, like, 
everybody can can lose right now in the Big 12, you know, and and that's why I was a little bit pessimistic about the idea of a Big 12 team, even Baylor making the field. Uh, again, we're going to have a discussion about three teams that are still undefeated, that are still, uh, you know, still only have uh, still have an opportunity to, to go through and compete for a playoff spot. But it's a tough league to be in this year i don't think that anybody's going to be able to escape with only one loss in this conference and uh so you know it, it'll definitely be interesting to see how it kind of works itself out it's interesting and i mean it's one of these things we can say well we're going to talk about well we're gonna we're gonna just talk and various things will come at different times right now it does feel like the big 12 and i think the pac 12 are in the worst possible situation right now. The Big 12 a little bit more, because if USC is USC, then they have enough swag and talent and highlights and stuff that they'll get their just due, where they don't have a team at the top that is to the level or reputation recently of Ohio State or Alabama or Georgia or Clemson. But their depth is, I think, Better than the Big Ten, certainly better than the ACC. Once you get down to like five and six and seven, quite possibly better than the SEC. And all that does is make you much less likely to make the playoff because the big, especially the Pac-12, but the Big 12 at times, it's like, oh, they have not as been as involved. And especially now as we start to think about Oklahoma as an SEC team, they have not been as involved in the playoff as some other conferences, again, mostly the Pac-12, but it's because they were bad. And it feels like they might not be involved this year, but it's not because they're bad. It's because they're very good across the board, but not great enough at the top. This is a very tough reality and makes it, this is like another 12-team playoff argument of, why should nobody from a very good Big 12 get in? Because there are seven legit teams in the Big 12, which means they're all going to beat each other and have one or two losses and not get in. Right. No, and, and I think that that's, like you said, a very compelling case. Like, we'll see what happens with Oklahoma State. But Oklahoma State last year, right, the, the only reason that they finish with two losses is because they lose on the last play of the game of the Big 12 championship, right? And, like, that doesn't mean they weren't really good, but all of a sudden, then that team is dropping all the way down to like number nine in the country because they lost on a goal line play. You know, so it, it's so it, it's so interesting how that sort of thing works. But I think that, like you said, it makes it a really good situation, I think, because because, you know, like look at look at the Big 12 last year, right? Like both Baylor and Oklahoma State won New Year's Six games. They would have both been in the playoff last year if the playoff had existed in the 12-team world. And we'd be talking about, wow, look at the Big 12 getting multiple teams in the field and not, uh, well, you don't have a team that's good enough to compete. And, you know, it's... it's I, I think that, yeah, that's absolutely a compelling case for it. And actually, historically, this has really been the Pac-12. Uh, they've had this issue more than anybody, right, where they have a lot of very good teams and they don't have a dominant team uh, with USC and Oregon not being Oregon back for the past couple of years. You know, so I, I think that it's very good. I mean, it's it's so funny. In the playoff era, you almost would rather be the ACC that's like three kind of decent teams and then 11 teams that are kind of garbage you know and but but like that one good team is gonna make the playoff and then you're gonna be able to talk about how you made the playoff and 
I, I don't know. I, this is a whole other rant that I probably don't even need to go on right but, now. But it will. It, it really is going to change the conversation in a 12-team playoff world because all of a sudden it's going to become, wow, if you're in a deep conference, you're battle-tested. Hey, that's going to prepare you for the playoff, and you're guaranteed to get your champion in. And then if you're that deep, you actually have a better chance of your number two team getting in or your number three team getting in because you're deep and your resume is good and you have good wins. It, where now depth hurts you. All it's it, the only thing that matters now is how good is your top team. So I, I think that is. I don't know that that. We've talked about that a ton, just the idea of this will reward deeper conferences, which is really what it should be about. Because I know there are some metrics that would rank the Big 12 as the number one conference in the country right now, because what you're talking about, they might have every single team as a top 50 or top 60 team. So goodbye, Baylor. See you later. We're down to nine. We put up five teams to a vote this week individually of should they join the conversation. And let's start with the two Big 12 teams that we put up for a vote. And the first one is Oklahoma State. Um, with that win over Baylor, it's, you know, we talk a lot about uh, absorption on this show. Kind of a very reasonable idea of uh, does Oklahoma State just slide in and take Baylor's spot after beating Baylor? This is a, this is a tough group. The Twitter folks are not. They are not easy to get a yes vote on should the, a team be added to the playoff discussion. Oklahoma State wins over Central Michigan, Arizona State, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, and Baylor. And again, it's one of those things. They didn't play BYU. They kind of just like dorked around in the non-conference. And then when they played Baylor, they beat Baylor. It's like, okay, that's good enough. 73% yes on Oklahoma State. 27% no. So that's one yes vote, which means they only need one more yes vote from you and I, are you yes on Oklahoma State joining the playoff conversation? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think that we've been waiting for them to sort of play a real opponent uh, for the past couple of weeks, and Baylor is certainly that, going on the road and beating them. Again, there's context to an 11-point win, but it was an 11-point win. They were in control of that game. There was never really a doubt that they were going to to win that game. So I, I think Oklahoma State is absolutely in. Uh you know, look, their resume still needs some work. They're they're going to get into Big 12 play and kind of sink or swim whenever they do. But right now, I think they are easily the favorite in the Big 12. And until somebody knocks them off, they're, they're still undefeated. I agree. They're in. And we're going to talk about them more in the, the continuing fringe candidate discussion. The second Big 12 team that we have up for vote is in a very different situation. And I don't know if I put them in just because game day is there. But, I mean, we got to get in on some of this Kansas juice, don't we? Kansas, 5-0, and Tennessee Tech, West Virginia, Houston, Duke, Iowa State. Tough road. 36% yes, 64% no from the Twitter followers on whether Kansas should join the discussion. And I definitely saw one comment on Twitter that was, they have a better chance of losing out and missing a bowl than they have of being a real playoff contender. They now are basically going to play all the rest of the good teams in the Big 12. They've their, their two Big 12 games so far are West Virginia and Iowa State. Again, because this is so deep, I was like, oh, come on. Why are you being mean to Kansas? And then I looked at Kansas' schedule and I was like, you know what? They could lose out. <laughs> this could be like the most depressing five and seven season ever. But they're also legitimate 
in numerous ways, starting with coach and quarterback. So you and I would both have to vote yes to get Kansas in here. Part of it is like, man, we better get him in now. <laughs> if we want to talk about Kansas at all, we better do it now. Game day is there this week. They're playing TCU, who is also undefeated. I did not put TCU up to a vote because I sort of thought, well, I don't want to put everybody. I like Kansas is, is more famous right now. They're, they're juicier. So then we'll see what happens in TCU, Kansas. And then the winner of that game will have an even more compelling case a week from now, unless we want to put the Jayhawks in now. Do we want to? So the last time that Kansas started five and zero, do you know what year that was? 1936. No, no, it was 2009. Okay. Do you know how they finished that year? Uh, 12 and 0. Five and seven. They lost their last seven games. No, for but real. That's that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. But like you said, the way the schedules worked out, they have a lot of really nice wins. They went on the road, beat West Virginia. They went on the road, beat Houston. Uh, they beat Iowa State on the back of their defense, which is something that I don't think anybody could have expected. Uh, they beat Duke, who, you know, Duke, I think it's still four and one at this point. So like they have a lot of really nice victories kind of right in that like 40 to 70 range of teams in the country probably this is their first time that they're going to be playing a team that's top 25 ish right like that's potentially like a good good team and I think that concerns me right like I I think that I want to see that they can actually compete against that level of team now again they're going to play a lot of them on the on the way out, right? They still got Baylor, who technically is unranked right now. I think that I have them in my top 25. They still have Oklahoma State. That's going to be a really tough game. At Kansas State isn't going to be a fun game. At Oklahoma, I feel like having this conversation is like when we had the Washington conversation a few weeks ago where I'm like, okay, I, I, I said that like this team is way better than people think, but like I don't know about all this. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know about this whole conversation. Yeah. And we had we sort of had a, a side Minnesota conversation at the same time about Washington, and we were like, "Well, should we put in Washington? Well, if we put in Washington, we have to put in Oklahoma, uh, put in Minnesota, and then Washington lost to UCLA, and Minnesota lost to Purdue. Extenuating circumstances, you know. Washington goes and loses on the road on a Friday night, where Michael Penix threw a couple bad picks in the first half, and then Washington scored on every second half possession, but the hole they dug was too deep, and Minnesota wound up playing without Mo Ibrahim, the star running back who nobody knew was going to be hurt and then didn't play. And then they lose to Purdue. And it's like, okay, well, like that's a very like Kansas, Minnesota, Washington. I would like, they could play a little round Robin, right? I would, that'd be some good football, right? But is it this conversation football? I guess, so we can't like, we can't do it. And I guess if we let you in, then we have to kick you out, right? The idea of like a week from now, it's like, well, I don't know. Does it hurt our reputation if we let a team that winds up five and seven in the playoff conversation for even a week? They're really compelling. Game day's there, right? I mean, I don't know. I don't want it to be a game day vote. But but the, the other thing is, Houston was one of your preseason teams that you were very excited about. And to beat Houston, that's a really good win, right? I mean, like, we, we can't. And again, then you're playing. You're playing a bunch of Power 5 teams. Lance Leipold, do you think he's going to stay? I feel like this is our Kansas conversation. They're not getting in. We're not putting Kansas in. Is this can is this the beginning of something at Kansas, or whether it's Nebraska, whether it's Wisconsin, whether it's somebody else? Is Lance Leipold going to be out the door because he's done too good of a job at Kansas to stay, or would this be one of those? Can you gather up? Can Bill Self? 
you know, cut two and a half million dollars off his basketball salary and throw it toward Lance. Could Lance Leipold say you, you can't do that? I know that for sure. You, he's not. A, you can't give money away as a basketball coach. Uh, he won't give money away. Oh, 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 oh! But he would be allowed to be. Well, let's have let's have him on the show and ask him. Yeah. The what? Like, does Lance Leipold want to say, "I want to be, I want to reform Kansas football"? I've been at Wisconsin Whitewater. I've been at Buffalo. I'm going to stay here and I'm going to be, you know, the new savior of Kansas football. Does that have any appeal or is this guy going to, this guy has coached in his life, both in the state of Nebraska and the state of Wisconsin. And both those jobs are open right now. Is this going to be fleeting for the Jayhawks and football because the guy who did it's going to leave? Yeah, I think you're underselling it a little bit. Uh, this guy has before Buffalo coached only in the states of Wisconsin and Nebraska. I know. It's such bad timing for Kansas. Kansas like, are you serious? Are you serious, Wisconsin, Nebraska? Now you both stink for real? It's going to be an interesting situation for sure. Uh, I, I think like these are like two grail jobs for him, I think. like That's the issue, right? I, I think if this was most other jobs in the country, he'd you know he'd consider staying now i i don't think this is like going, going to be just like the end of things i i think that maybe they promote internally on on that can staff maybe they promote the offensive coordinator right like i, I think that they're going to try to stay consistent and and try to figure out some stuff that works but like i mean lance leipold's 58 this is his chance if he wants to coach like at a major major program right so it, it's hard to imagine that he's going to be able to not to look at the overtures that are going to be coming. And it's hard because if it was Minnesota and Iowa that had the openings instead of Wisconsin and Nebraska, he might stay. But as you said, these are these are the two the, the two jobs that could probably lure him. So um do you think someone else on Twitter, one of our followers, mentioned the idea of I mean that was a slugfest last week with Kansas and Iowa State. Did Iowa State put out a blueprint at all to slow down that Kansas offense that's now going to be executed on Kansas's way to five seven? <laughs> yeah, I, I saw that comment. So I, I have a couple responses to that. So first of all, I mean, I, I think that John Haycock over at Iowa State, their defensive coordinator, is like maybe the most underrated defensive coordinator in the country. He, he's kind of a football genius. And I, I do think that he probably figured out some stuff to help contain that offense. And I do think there's a little bit of a blueprint out. I don't necessarily know that that means that every program is going to be able to run that that they're going to be able to to attack Iowa State in those kinds of ways I will say a couple of programs will I I think Baylor's going to be able to do it I think Kansas State's probably going to be able to do it Uh, Oklahoma State will definitely be able to do it but you know I I don't think every program is just all of a sudden going to be able to do what Iowa State did and I think that you know yes did Iowa State give a model for competing with this Kansas offense sure I mean, this Kansas offense isn't going to stay stagnant either. They're going to continue getting better as well, and they're going to evolve as well. So I don't think that this is suddenly like, oh, Kansas has figured out everything's going to go bad. Like, I mean, Kansas ran this stuff last year, too, and they just got better at it. And I, I don't think that I don't think this is just like some system that's going to get figured out and and just thrown to the wayside. Jalen Daniels, only 7 of 14 passing last week for 93 yards for Kansas. Their possessions, punt, touchdown to go up 7-0, punt, touchdown to go up 14-0, missed field goal. Then their second half possessions, six plays punt, five plays punt, three plays punt, 
two plays fumble, three plays punt. So they held on for dear life in that game against Iowa State. They did nothing offensively in the second half. Uh, this is how football works. Everyone, people love the blueprint idea. It's like, well, I don't know. You watch film, you figure out a thing, <laughs> and then someone stops you, then you figure out another thing. But uh, the Jalen Daniels have been playing great, and they they clearly like tamp that down to a, to a big degree. So, all right, Candace is not going to be in. Are you okay with the fact that I did not put TCU up for a vote? And if TCU beats Kansas, are the, and they just beat Oklahoma, right? They just beat Oklahoma, and I, but I'm I don't know what does that even mean. Maybe maybe Oklahoma is going to go winless in the big in the Big Twelve. Um, if TCU beats Kansas, are we going to be having a serious TCU discussion a week from now? If they look good doing it, I think so. I, I mean, look, I I think that TCU's case right now versus Kansas, like they're very comparable i mean probably even give a little bit of an edge to tcu with how dominant they've been so i I think that if they do go on the road and look really good and beat kansas pretty convincingly i mean they should probably be a top 10 team at that point right like i think that they should be in that conversation they'll still be undefeated the one thing that that tcu i I think we need to uh, account for is the fact that they played one less game they're only four and oh right now the other two undefeated big 12 teams are five and oh and have played two conference games at this point so if they go and move to two and oh in conference then i think we can have that conversation all right so oklahoma state in kansas not in three more teams to run through we'll do that next on the college football survivor show Don't miss the College Football Survivor Show bonus episode this week. Available only on Apple Podcasts. There were some really exciting Pac-12 games over the last two weeks, and I'm sure that people in America would love to have seen them at any point ever. The idea that I... Somebody who pays for basically every streaming network and has YouTube TV and pays so much money for television can't access this stupid network. Uh, thankfully, CBS hooked me up, so I was able to, to get it. Uh, get what did they do? Was it behind the scenes? Did Tony Romo give you his password? What happened? We have, I guess, a deal or something with Fubo TV, which does have the Pac-12 network. So they, they were able to provide me a login for, for those purposes. Oh, but Can you uh, share it with everybody on the podcast who didn't doesn't have a Fubu back door? <laughs> Fubo, by the way. <laughs> Fubu is, is something oh, completely different. <laughs> that's, so, that's the 2000. There are so many acronyms in my life anymore. I don't I know, know what any I of know. them mean. I'm always worried that I'm going to say, <laughs> do your brain get scrambled when you get older? People, you know, certainly on the East Coast, but it's spread. People know what Wawa is, right? It's the it's the, yeah, the yeah, convenience yeah. store Wawa. They have sandwiches. People like them. My grandfather in his later days called it Wahoo instead of Wawa. And it was like, everybody was like, ha the old man says Wahoo. Like, I'm in the Wahoo. Who's on, baby? Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts for exclusive College Survivor Show bonus episodes. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, let's go out to the Pac-12. UCLA, I, I thought Washington would go into UCLA and take care of business. UCLA had certainly some goofy wins early in the year. Um, they are now 5-0. and Bowling Green, Alabama State, South Alabama, Colorado, and Washington. Again, that those first four wins are, are nothing. Uh, Washington, that was a real win. Again, a couple early turnovers, and by the time Washington got it together, it was too late. Um, 
36% yes on UCLA, 64% no. We'd both have to vote yes to get him in. What do you think about UCLA? I mean, you mentioned not a whole lot to take from those first couple of victories. Let's not forget, I mean, UCLA was a second away from losing to South Alabama. They had to kick a last second field goal and score uh, nine unanswered points in the fourth quarter to beat South Alabama. So like their win over Washington was nice, but like I have a lot more questions now about exactly how good Washington is. If Michigan State is just the worst team in America right now, what is going on there? That's a whole other conversation. Um, They play Utah this week. This is the game to me. This is like where we actually figure out whether what happened against Washington was just a thing that happened. Was Dorian Thompson Robinson going, you know, next level or whether it was just a blip. And so I think I want to wait until after this Utah game because, I mean, again, we have a good data point with them beating Washington. We have a really, really bad data point with them, you know, should have lost to South Alabama uh, and South Alabama is good. I don't want to undersell South Alabama. Like South Alabama is a legit team. They're not, you know, no, not- no one would ever accuse you of underselling South Alabama. People <laughs> know you. what where you are with the, with the fighting beavers. I don't know. What are they? South Alabama. <laughs> do you know what they're, they're the Jaguars. Uh, and yeah. also, also they have, uh, they have Indiana's next head coach whenever they fire Tom Allen in uh, Kane Womack, uh, who was the defensive coordinator on that 2020 team. That was good for some reason. You're firing another Big Ten coach already? We're going to have half the Big Ten coaches going to be fired halfway through the year? I'm just saying things the last two years have not gone great and things at South Alabama have gone great ever since Kane Walmack moved over there. But I'm not ready to do it as yet. I, I think that this week against Utah is an opportunity to have more than one positive data point. And if they look good in this game, if they win this game, I, I think that then they have a chance to replace Utah then. Okay, no on UCLA, and I, yeah, they, that that game is worth watching and, and will tell us something. Another Pac-12 team, Oregon. We've had them up before. Uh, they are 4-1, and one, the opening season blowout against Georgia. Eastern Washington, BYU, Washington State, Stanford since then. Stanford was a game a lot of people, they were like a 17-point favorite, and it was sort of like, okay, well, this could be one of those, all right, it's the Bo Nix experience, and I don't know if you trust them. They just took care of business against Stanford. Not that Stanford is great, but... That felt like uh, if you're an Oregon doubter, you thought, oh, that's exactly the kind of game they're going to go and lose after having this sort of really roller coaster win against Washington State the week before. I just think we, we just we're going to keep bringing them up because I know Georgia's looked a little more vulnerable the last two weeks, but you can't just erase everybody who gets blown out by Georgia. Or you just we might wind up in a situation where you couldn't field a four team playoff if you made everybody in the country play Georgia in the state of Georgia, which is where they played in Atlanta. So they're they're a only 22 percent. Yes. Seventy eight percent. No. It's the fact that they have a loss. But come on, people like we've got to we've got to be able to shake that out of our heads a little bit. You don't ignore it, but you have to contextualize that. I mean, I'm getting pretty close to a yes on Oregon. The thing that's hard about Oregon is, can they consistently do it week after week all year because of the Bo Nix experience? But when you you snapshot them and say, here's who they are right now, here's what they've done, I think it's a pretty compelling case, but I think I'm still barely a no, but man, I'm getting close. What about you? 
Yeah, it's it's interesting. I mean, with Oregon, you have, like you said, the huge loss to, to Georgia. You have the big win over BYU. You sh- probably should have lost. Actually, no, you should have lost against Washington State, uh, if not for some funny business at the end and Bonix having the positive side of the ex- experience. And then against Stanford, you're up 31-3 at halftime. So this is like the most boomer bust team in the country right now, I'd, I'd argue. That doesn't feel great to me. I, I want to see a little bit more consistency. The one thing is now they head into the schedule. They're at Arizona this week. That should be an easy win. They play UCLA the week after that. We'll kind of either know or not know about UCLA by the time they play them. So like when do they get in if not? for now maybe after ucla even if ucla loses to utah but i mean their their tough schedule really is in november they play washington utah and at oregon state in the last three weeks of the season i I just don't think they're consistent enough to go through and not lose a game that that's my issue with them the thing about it i like their boom there's a lot of teams who don't have a very good yeah 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 totally you need a good boom and if your boom is man like you like a dominant first half at Stanford. Again, not that Stanford's great, but like that was a lot of people on alert that your boom is really good. And the way that you came back in the end, you know, it's not like they beat Washington State in the last 10 seconds. You know, they beat Washington State in the final four minutes, but they did what they needed to do. They had the game winning drive to to score the touchdown. And their bust, if their bust, if they can survive their busts, right? That their bust, because listen, George is again. Like they've played some close games, but they found a way to pull that Washington State game out. So if your boom is pretty good and your bust, you hang on by your fingernails and survive. That's an interesting formula because there are some teams who who their boom just isn't very good. So I just we've got to be on alert for these guys. I don't want to get to November 15th and be like, oh, I guess it's time to talk about one loss Oregon who's been who hasn't lost since they lost to Georgia in the opener. Right. So. No for now, but we're definitely on Oregon alert. Is that okay? Like we can be on Oregon alert and and be ready to pull the trigger on that. I think it might be hard for the Twitter followers to come around because I don't know that they're going to have a win that's impressive enough to outweigh how dominating the loss was to Georgia. But we've got to make sure we're giving them credit because we the thing we're talking about here, Shahan, Baylor loses to BYU. See you later. Oregon loses to Georgia. They can't climb their way back in. We can't discourage these. I mean. We want these preseason non these non conference matchups, and now when teams lose them, it's like, well, see ya, we're done with you. And meanwhile, Michigan's playing a bunch of nobodies. UCLA is playing a bunch of nobodies, and they're quote undefeated. I guess that's not quote. That, that undefeated <laughs> is a fact. That's not in quotes. Yeah. They're quote good because they are unquote undefeated, and they're in the they're in discussions more than these other teams are. You have to be able to go get your doors blown off by Georgia, and then come back and still show people that you're good. And when you show that, people have to pay attention. So we have to be on Oregon alert. But I I'm okay with not doing it yet. Yeah, I I think I'm a hundred percent on board with that. I I think ultimately, you know, look, I think that whenever whenever we talk to the playoff committee right they talk about the best team and Oregon's best is top seven or eight in the country probably higher than that and their worst is 40th or 50th or 60th in the country and so if they can put the consistent version of their team together which they have Bo Nick so they're probably not going to do that then 
they have a chance to be really good. And and like you said, maybe the gap is wide enough from a talent perspective between them and the rest of the teams that they're going to be playing before maybe Utah that their bad is still good enough to win like it was against Washington State in a game that, again, they probably should have lost because they were fully outplayed. So I'm out this week. I, I think I'll have that game in two weeks against UCLA circled, again, regardless of whether UCLA beats Utah or not. And and if they go and win that game and look pretty good doing it, then I'll say, okay, here's multiple really good wins against teams that I think are pretty solid. Okay, last one. Old Miss. This was tighter with our Twitter voters, 42.4% yes, 57.6% no. There was a moment um, when I thought they were maybe going to get get the lean uh, by the Twitter voters. They did not. Good win over Kentucky last week. We said this was, you know, that Kentucky Ole Miss showdown of undefeated teams was maybe a win and you're in the conversation kind of game. We're going to talk about them when we talk about the best fringe candidates. The question is, are they in now? Where are you on Ole Miss right now? This team is really frustrating to me because so they, they've played but before this week. They played Troy, Central Arkansas, Georgia Tech, and then they played Tulsa with an eight points, which to me sucks. Like that's an awful result from my perspective. And then this last week against Kentucky, they're going to lose the game and then Will Levis fumbles. So that's their that's their magic data point, you know that that's their exciting get into the field play. I I just I can't get there. I, I still don't necessarily know uh, whether this team can be consistent. I don't know whether this team can be consistently explosive, especially in the passing game. This has been a very run heavy team, which is not a bad thing, but uh, but you know everybody kind of expects that they're going to be able to to hang with the Bamas and all that sort of stuff with their passing game. And I don't necessarily know that that's the case. And that said, the next two weeks they're at Vanderbilt and versus Auburn. So like they should win those games pretty easily. So I, I don't really know what to do with this team. They're not, they're not a playoff contender to me. I don't think that they have any shot of competing with Alabama, but I mean, who else is going to beat them? Yeah. Um, Yeah. The schedule's kind of weird. I'm closer than you are. Again, they beat Kentucky were they better than Kentucky, right? We have to go by results. You have to go by the scoreboard. But it wasn't um it wasn't a persuasive performance, but it was a victorious performance. But again, the schedule's pretty soft. Uh as you said, it was close against Tulsa. All right, no on Old Miss, but I, I'm 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 on alert for Old Miss as well. So that is four no's and one yes, which brings us back to ten teams again. As it turns out, all that happened is that Oklahoma State beat Baylor and took Baylor's spot. So let's talk then further. We're each going to pick the two fringe teams, and we said who's not fringe. It's it's those seven teams that we think are primary, Ohio State, Michigan, USC, Utah, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia. So there's a couple teams. Tennessee's already in our discussion. They're considered a fringe team. Penn State's already in our discussion. They're considered a fringe team. We just added Oklahoma State. Everybody else we just talked about. Who do we think has the best chance to really be there, to really make the playoff, Shahan, to really be right down in it on the final Sunday? 
Who's the, the number one team in your mind among the fringe contenders? And I don't want fringe just because Shahan doesn't wear it doesn't mean it's not lovely. This is not a shot to say that you're not on the same tier as Alabama and Ohio State and USC and Clemson. That's not that's not what we're saying. We're just saying like your path is is a little bit harder to see. Who do you got? Number one. Yeah, I think right now it has to be Oklahoma State. I, I think that what they've showed the first couple of weeks is pretty impressive to go on the road against a pretty good Baylor team and, and look good doing it. I, I think is good. The biggest credit that I'll give Oklahoma state right now is that it seems like they found a way to balance some of their offensive stuff with what they did defensively last year. Uh, you know, Spencer Sanders was pretty consistent in, in that game last week. Now, again, it's sort of Bo Nix like where you know that that bad game is coming at some point and you just hope that it's not in the most devastating games possible, like the Big 12 championship game last year. But, uh, you know, they made the game easy for him. I like what they have at receiver a lot better than what they had last year. And uh, and I thought that they used Spencer Sanders really well in the run game, too, in a really smart way. So I, I think that Oklahoma State has a legitimate path. The tough part is just going to be getting through conference play and a conference championship game with only one loss. That was obviously their issue last year. Uh, you know, look at their schedule. They're at Kansas State. They're at Oklahoma. That's always a tough game for them because it's a rivalry game uh, at TCU as well. So it's not the easiest schedule, but. I mean, I think at Baylor is one of the toughest tests that they'll probably face, and they passed it. So that would probably be the team that I'd have number one right now. Spencer Sanders, 274 passing yards per game, 66% completion, 11 touchdowns, two interceptions. He's he's good enough, right? I mean, the best of him is good enough. And I do, I can almost hear in my head like Mike Gundy getting mad that we're using the word fringe with Oklahoma State. I, I think Mike Gundy definitely has some fringe in his closet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've worn fringe. We're not fringe. Fringe looks good. When you're going out on a Saturday night, fringe is great. Oklahoma State's not a fringe team. Right? I mean, I don't want to get yelled at by Mike Gundy. Actually, I think it kind of would be fun to get yelled at by, my, by, by Mike Gundy. Um, when you look at in the playoff era, not counting this year, the, the first eight years of the playoff era, best winning percentage among Power 5 teams, Oklahoma State is... One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eighth in the nation. Alabama, Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, Georgia, Wisconsin, who just fired its coach, Notre Dame is having a rough year, and then Oklahoma State. I think Mike Gundy would be like, what are you talking about? Why are we not in the same conversation as maybe we're maybe we're the Georgia of the Southwest? What are you doing? Like, how dare you characterize us this way? And he might have a point. Like, they haven't made it yet into the playoff. But what's the difference between Oklahoma State and Michigan? I don't know, right? We don't have Michigan as a primary team right now because they're undefeated because they made it last year because they have a clear showdown with Ohio State. You know exactly what their path is. If we believe this is the best team in the Big 12, I agree with you that this is the number one team on the list. You can absolutely see it. But you brought up something last week when it was starting to get away from them a little bit in the second half. Jim Knowles, their defensive coordinator from last season, is currently at Ohio State fixing everything that ails the Ohio State defense. They were really good defensively last year. And Jim Knowles knows what he's doing. And you really you talk a lot about what you you what kind of adjustments you think Jim Knowles makes in the second half. How much of a step down do you think it has been for the Oklahoma State defense 
this season without him? And is it enough of a step down that it's going to be the thing to like bite them in the end and keep them from being a playoff team? Well, I'll say, you know, I mean, Baylor scored on their first two drives of the second half. And that's, I, I don't think that Oklahoma State allowed two second half touchdown drives in any game last season. But, you know, I mean, this is still a really good unit. I, I think that, you know, you still have to credit them for what they did in the first half of the game, holding Baylor to three points in the first half. Um, you know, so so I think that it's a I think it's a step down. I do think some of it is personnel, right? People have loved Malcolm Rodriguez on hard knocks uh, playing for the Lions. And it's because Malcolm Rodriguez is one of the best defensive players in college football last season. Like he was awesome. And he's gone now. There are a couple other guys who are starting for uh, for other major teams right now. You know, I think that a, a, a cornerback starter at LSU right now transferred from this Oklahoma State defense. So some of it is changing defensive coordinator. Some of it is just legitimately losing players. But I, I think that they're still really good. And I think that they are better or more improved offensively then they are worse defensively right this second. Now that's subject to change. They've played one real game. I have to emphasize that. We haven't seen them play uh, much of anybody else. It was Central Michigan. And again, I I talked about after that game, like 22 points came in the fourth quarter of a 58 to 44 game. That was never a game. That was never a poor defensive performance. Arizona State, who's terrible and fired their coach. Arkansas Pine Bluff and then Baylor. So we need to see a little bit more from them. Uh, and I think that we will. It really is similar to Michigan, right? That what Michigan's trying to do this year is that Michigan was led by its defense a year ago. So is Oklahoma State. You lose your coordinator. You lose a couple of your best players. Can your offense rise up enough that your defense is now good, not great, but your offense is better? How does that balance out? The Football Outsiders ratings, uh, F plus, Oklahoma State, 15th in the country right now, 18th on the offensive side of the ball, 26th on the defensive side of the ball. Pretty good balance for Oklahoma State. So I think they are clearly number one in this discussion. And and I will mention real quick, it, just back to the Mike Gundy discussion, like we don't take him seriously enough. We we see the mullet, we see the still water, we see the Oklahoma State, like, and we think that this is like a nice – fringe story right but like Mike Gundy is one of the best coaches in the country like Mike Gundy has produced as consistent results as anybody Uh, actually if you really look over the past decade right we've had all this conversation about Wisconsin over the past couple of days Oklahoma State has basically been Wisconsin over the past decade they just don't have a bad division to be able to win you know, and, and their rival is Oklahoma, who just so happened to be a team that made like five straight playoffs nobody's going to enjoy and benefit more from Lincoln Riley not being in the Big 12 anymore. And nobody also is going to enjoy Oklahoma not being in the Big 12 anymore. Because if you take out their results against Oklahoma, which you can't, it's part of uh, the package, they have been as dominant a team as really anybody in that second tier of college football for the past decade, basically. And, uh, you know, maybe this is finally the year that, uh, that he gets his first Big 12 title since 2011. If you ask, if you say Mike Gundy to anybody outside of the Big 12, the number one thing that they would say back to you is, I'm a man, I'm 40. One of those two things. Do you know how old he is now? Oh, I think that 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 rant was in like, I I think he's like 53 now. 55. He is 15 years removed from his, I'm a man, I'm 40 
viral video news conference. I think most people listening to this know what we're talking about. If not, Google, I'm a man, I'm 40. He's been doing – he's 15 years removed from that. He's at the same school, and he's been winning basically the whole time. So, I mean, it is one of those. If we did underrated coaches in college football, that he, he might be number one. But I think we are in agreement that Oklahoma State um, is number one on this list of, of the next level of contenders. My other team I think you are going to disagree with because I did have Ole Miss here. And the reason is, I wonder, their schedule sets them up. And last year, when they had Matt Corral, and you thought, okay, here comes the lane train. Do they have a chance against Bama? And they went on every fourth down in the first half. And they didn't make them. And then they dug a hole, and that was kind of it. They're on, you can, like, Bama's coming down the line. They can win to Bama. There's nobody standing, they have play LSU, but there's nobody really standing in their way. If they're as good as they can be. They should be, they could be undefeated when they play Bama. And did he learn? Did Lane learn? Does he have something that that experience? They have, I think, 17 transfers that are making an impact from them. He wants to be a place that transfers want to go. We saw how good Michigan State was a year ago with an influx of transfers. That includes Jackson Dart at quarterback that they, you know, they've got a style to it, both I think in how they play and also how they present themselves to the world. But if he's been in the lab, has he been in the lane lab for a year trying to figure out how can I beat Saban? And if he can, they might just take Alabama's spot. Now, again, I'll be so okay. And then you still have to beat Georgia potentially in the SEC championship game. But though, like, he's a, he's a good coach, man. Like, again, he's a guy. There's a lot, he was all sizzle early on. I think there's a lot of substance to him now. Um, that influx of talent, I think it throw. you know, we all are still adjusting to what does it mean when a program gets a bunch of transfers and I don't know, it's hard to have a handle on them this early in the season, but what I'm, what I'm trying to think, okay, who could really translate it to November coaching quarterback? I just, I just think old Miss is the next team up for me. Like, is that insane to think of it that way? I definitely don't think it's insane. Uh, I will take issue with one thing that you said, which is you said coaching quarterback. I do not believe in Jackson Dart. I, I don't think that he is a difference maker. Now, they are so good in the running game. They have so many good running backs, and they also use Jackson Dart a whole lot as a runner that maybe it doesn't matter. Like, Quinshawn Judkins has come out of nowhere. He's a freshman. And he has over 500 rushing yards so far this season uh, and six touchdowns. Like he is so explosive. He is so good. Zach Evans was supposed to be that dude at running back for, for Ole Miss. And he's been the second rusher on this team because a freshman has come in and been so exciting and been so good. And that's going to do for a whole lot of the season. And honestly, I mean, again, the, the SEC is weird right now. It is really, really weird right now. Cause look at the, look at the SEC West right now. So you've got Ole Miss, who right now is top 10 in the country, but again, has played one meaningful game. You got Mississippi State, who's number 23 right now. Alabama's number one, but has looked vulnerable at times. LSU is number 25, but they also haven't looked amazing. Texas A&M looks like just a horrible team right now. Auburn looks horrible. Arkansas looked really good at one point, then kind of fell out. Like, I don't know what to do with the SEC West right now. I, I don't know if it's really good or not good at all. Like, it's, it's kind of a, a tough situation for me. So it's definitely possible that even if they're not awesome, 
they still have a chance to go through and be 12 and 0 or 11 and 1 or whatever. And and to be honest, if they beat Alabama and go 12 and 0 and make the SEC championship game and lose to Georgia, they're still in. Like 12 and 1 with a win over Alabama who was number 1 at the time, I think absolutely gets them in. So, you know, we're we're talking fringe, we're not talking things that have to happen and and the path I think is definitely there with the combination of manageable schedule, a signature victory, and, and certainly I agree. I mean, Lane Kiffin's a really good coach at this point. Ole Miss eighth in the football outsiders F plus rankings, twelfth on offense, twenty-third on defense. Again, haven't played uh, a ton of teams so far and, and maybe should have lost last week. Um, and again, Jackson Dart, you're, you're right. I mean, like, especially statistically, like what they're asking him to do and what he's done so far. He's way down the list in SEC passers. Who I don't think you have Ole Miss as your second fr- best fringe team, though. Who do you have number two? I think I'm going to lean Penn State. Uh, I still have some questions about Michigan. I, I don't think that I've resolved all my issues with them. And so if Penn State is able to go on the road and beat Michigan, which is not this week, but next week, it's going to be a huge game. I think that they have a path. And they'll get Ohio State at home, obviously. That's a really tough game that they that they probably have to win. But, you know, the, the rest of the schedule doesn't scare me at all. Minnesota at Indiana, who obviously will, again, soon be coached by Kane Womack instead of Tom Allen. Uh, Maryland at Rutgers versus Michigan State, all very doable, all very winnable to me. They still have the emphatic victory over Auburn. I think that Purdue uh, road victory is only aging better because I think Purdue is pretty good. Like, I I think that they have a path. Now, again, to reiterate, their path also involves having to beat Ohio State, which is not fun and not good. And Ohio State's my, you know, number one team right now. But like, it's sort of similar to the Ole Miss thing. And I think that, uh, you, you know, Ole Miss has to do everything, but then they have to beat Alabama. Well, I, I think Penn State, if they do everything right, they have to beat Ohio State and they're going to be in really good shape. And I like what Penn State is better right now than what I like about Ole Miss. I think that they're more battle tested at this point. I, I think that when you look at their issues over the past couple of years, especially last year, Plenty of them seem to be pretty resolved right now. Defensively, they're still really good. I think that Nick Singleton has been a game changer at running back for them. Uh, I'd like for them to not play Northwestern within 10 points. But other than that, I think they've looked really impressive. That was a goofy game last week in the rain. Uh, 24 and a half point favorites, and it just was a, a slog the whole time. There were like, I think there were seven combined turnovers in that game in the middle of the third quarter. Nobody could hold on to the ball. So, I mean, you, you might throw that one out. But also, I do think as much as Penn State's doing a lot of good things right now, I do think they sort of have to, and it's to their credit, but they almost have to, you can see they have to play almost like a perfect game, right? That it, it's, they're a little bit playing in a phone booth, even though their skill guys are better. Um, I don't know if they're, it's almost like, I don't know if their booms as good as the booms at a team like Oregon, right? Like, I think the consistency that you can really want consistency, but you've got to be able to boom it up when your boom is needed. So I think they are, they might be the most consistent fringe contender right now, but is their, is their best boom as high as maybe some of these other teams? And I think they're going to have to get up. 
for Michigan and Ohio State in, in a way that I, I think they probably, and I'll, they'll lose this, you know, you say it as soon as it's out of your mouth, you're wrong. But they found a way to beat Purdue. They found a way to beat Northwestern. They, you know, that I think they're going to do that with everybody they should beat. But is their boom high enough? I, I wonder about that. We have talked about how their skill guys are pretty good and that they've shown it at times. But I think the way they're going about it, um, and maybe that's just because they're good at defense. And that's not a bad thing to be good at defense. No one's questioning their defense right now. So I think that's the, those are the teams. That, we could have gone Oregon there. I mean, again, we talked about Oregon. You could go Oregon there as a French candidate. You could go Tennessee. They were off last week. But we're going to start finding out more about Tennessee. Um, so we're going to go Oklahoma State, Penn State, and Ole Miss as the three teams we zero really zeroed in on as fringe contenders. Do you think the fringe contenders have a chance? Or do would your guess right now be that the four playoff teams will come from the group of seven that we talked about, that it will be four of Alabama, Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Utah, USC, and Clemson, our four playoff teams come from them? I would lean towards the four playoff teams coming from them. You know, one team that I think is probably going to move up a lot uh, whenever we get to our rankings in just a second is Clemson. Right, I, I think that they have really set themselves up in a good way. So then all of a sudden, then I think winner of Ohio State, Georgia, winner of Ohio State, Michigan, and Clemson, that feels like three spots right now. And I, I think that then Georgia, or you know, I'm assuming Georgia loses the SEC title game. Obviously, that doesn't have to be the case. Then you know, Georgia's competing for it. Uh, the winner of USC Utah would be competing for it. Oklahoma State would be. I, I think Oklahoma State has the most realistic path of that group. But if I had to pick right now, I think that our four playoff teams come from those seven that uh, that we have on our main list. Penn State, by the way, 11th in F+, 36th in offense, and 5th in defense. Again, that's how good that defense is. All right, when we come back, we're going to run through our rankings really quick and also talk about a couple of the more interesting games coming up on Saturday. We'll do it next on the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. All right, we're going to spend less time on our rankings this week because we really wanted to zero in on those fringe teams and make sure we're having a healthy discussion uh, about those teams. So let's do it this way, Shahan. I'm going to run through my top 10 rankings. And then as I say a team, you say where you have them. And then we don't really have to discuss them much. We'll get right back in to the big time contenders a week from now. I have Ohio State number one. Where do you have Ohio State? Yeah, I also have Ohio State number one. I have Georgia two. Where do you have Georgia? I also have Georgia two. I have Bama three. I have Clemson three. Look at you. You have cl- had Clemson quite a bit down. You were persuaded. We can spend a minute on this. You were persuaded by that win over NC State. I, I was. I you know, to me, DJ throwing a bunch of touchdowns against a Wake Forest defense that I think is pretty awful, like one of the worst in the in in the Power Five, didn't do a whole lot for me, but. He looked a lot more comfortable against NC State than I expected. They were able to get pressure, but he knew when to turn up field. He knew when to stay in the pocket. Uh, I still don't think that DJ is great, but I think that he is good enough to win right now. I think that he does things. I, I think he does enough good things that I still feel good about what he is and what he can be. And that was my question about this team is offensively, what happens when the pocket collapses? What happens uh, when DJ has to make plays? And against NC State, I think he did it at a really high level. 
And that was my, this Clemson case is what I thought would happen. That they get quarterback figured out one way or another. Either DJ's better or they go to Cade Klubnick, and clearly it's that DJ is better. And then the defense and everything else kind of falls into place. They're not perfect, but they're trending the right way, and they're looking more like the Clemson of old. You have Clemson three. I have Clemson four. So where do you have Bama? Uh, I have them five right now. You have Bama five. Okay, I have Bama three. You have Bama five. I have Michigan five. Where do you have Michigan? I have Michigan six. You have Michigan six. I have USC six. Where do you have USC? I have them seventh. You have them seven. I had Tennessee seven. Where do you have Tennessee? I still have them up at four. Tennessee four. Okay, we had that discussion last week. I now have Oklahoma State eight. Where do you have Oklahoma State? Same deal. I have Penn State nine. Where do you have Penn State? Same. And Utah 10. Yep. All right. So that is pretty decent agreement. You're Clemson is I believed in Clemson. Clemson is is proving something to you, um, which is moving them up. And then most of the rest of it is pretty similar. We're still just a part on Tennessee. I'm just having a little tougher time coming around on Tennessee uh, than you are. And you very well may be right on that, but we'll get a better sense of them uh, very soon. Yeah, we're going to get to the third Saturday in, in October, and it's going to be a total bloodbath, and Alabama's going to beat Tennessee like 59 to nothing. And then it'll be like, well, okay, there's that. I mean, the list of it, it's just can Hendon Hooker do something, right? I mean, it's like you've got it. You run through, and it's like the quarterbacks who have found a way to beat Alabama. It's like that's a lot to put on that guy, but but could it happen? Um, let's talk about a couple games this week. Let's make sure we talk about this because at one point this offseason, this was the game of the year. Alabama, Texas A&M, Jimbo and, and Nick saying things about each other, having angry news conferences. But is Texas A&M so weird and bad that this game is like DOA before we even get to it? Is there any juice from offseason spats? Is there enough juice to carry this game? Or do we now no longer care about Alabama, Texas A&M, where Texas A&M is like a 24-point underdog or something? Yeah, the only off-field issues we're, we're excited about right now with Texas A&M is, are they going to hire an offensive coordinator? Like this, is, this game has no juice whatsoever. Nobody cares about this game. Like, it, it's at the point where, well, I, I mean, look, we do have to say, this was a little bit the situation heading into the game last year. And obviously, Texas A&M pulled off an upset. Uh, I would not predict that. I don't think that Texas A&M is as good as they were last year, and they weren't very good last year. So, you know, anything can happen, I guess. But honestly, even if, if Texas A&M pulled off an upset of number one Alabama, like, cool. I, I don't know. I, I just don't think it means anything. You know, I, I don't think that there's any way that this game has actual meaning uh, whenever it's done. Because it's weird because last year they beat Alabama and it didn't mean anything. It didn't mean Texas A&M was good and it didn't keep Alabama from doing anything that Alabama wanted to do. So even at its best, even at its mo- even at its most interesting, this game is meaningless. Hey, exciting. All right. We tried to get the offseason juice. It didn't really work. There's a couple games on the field that do really matter. TCU, Kansas. Really matters. Who do you think wins that? TCU? I think TCU wins that game. Um, it's going to be a, a really good close game, I think, though. I, I mean, you know, the funny thing about it, these are two of the, like, three highest-rated quarterbacks in the entire country, <laughs> Jalen Daniels and Max Duggan. So 
it's going to be a good battle. I think this could be one of the most entertaining games of the weekend, but I do think that TCU wins. I, I think the line right now is TCU minus seven, which feels a little much for me, but I'd take, uh, I'd take TCU outright, even if Kansas has, manages to cover. Utah-UCLA, also a game that really matters on the field. You know, we did not talk about UCLA as a fringe candidate, but again, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, man, he'll do some stuff for you. Chip Kelly, once upon a time, was a really good college football coach. So I don't know if he, what happened, he just, well, what happened is he tried to be a GM in the NFL and he torpedoed his own career. But I am a little surprised that he didn't get UCLA going a little bit faster, but Good play caller, good quarterback. It gives you a chance. We're get, I, I really like Utah-UCLA this week because it's going to tell us something. We said Utah's leaking a little bit. Lost Brant Keithy. How good are they still? That's a good win for whoever gets that this week. I'm guessing it's Utah because it just felt like maybe some circumstance and you know UCLA is going to win some games like they get against Washington, but also I don't know if they can win every game like this. What do you think of Utah-UCLA? I was very impressed with Utah last week playing against an Oregon State team that I think is very solid. 42 to 16 victory over them. Whoever wins this game is is a lock to be in our discussion next week, uh, whether it's Utah or whether it's UCLA. I think I leaned Utah. Uh, they're, they're not the most like, – like I've been waiting for the moment when they have to play somebody after that Florida game. And Oregon State was a little bit of that, but – you know, I, I think that UCLA is going to be an even better test. Also, a little bit of look ahead uh, action happening here because Utah plays against USC the week after that. So if they're able to keep their focus and really keep their eye on the ball and, and pull off a good victory against UCLA, I'll be very impressed. And and I think, you know, looking at my looking at my rankings right now, I think that I would have to move them up. Let's talk about that again. Looking ahead, Washington State's interesting, man. They are they they'll give you trouble. They are um, home. No, they are at USC this week. And could USC get caught? USC coming off a 42-25 win over Arizona State. I I feel like I don't have a great handle on USC still. I do feel like the reciprocal stuff of USC has some trouble with Oregon State. And then we said, okay, let's see what Oregon State does against Utah. I was like, oh, no, Utah dominated Oregon State. One's on the road, one's at home. That does matter. But my antenna are up a little bit. This feels like USC better bring it or Washington State could throw a wrench into their season before they even get to the Utah game. How important do you think there's there's danger here for the Trojans? Oh, most definitely. I, I think it was I think it was John Canzano, uh, a great Pac-12 columnist who who was putting out his power rankings and describing teams in, in silly ways. And the way that he described Washington State was 296 out of 300 minutes because until the last four minutes of the game against Oregon, they were clearly, clearly the better team. And if they had just won that game, they would be 5-0 and right now and like maybe ranked in the top 10? More importantly, maybe in our playoff discussion, in our playoff discussion. Yeah, most definitely. And so, uh, yeah, it's just a tough, tough uh, situation to be in. So, yes, I absolutely think that there's a little bit of danger zone in this Washington State USC game. Now, the one thing that I will say, too, is that with USC, I think that I like them better against teams that really aren't going to push them around too, too much. I think that that's probably where they're most vulnerable is when they're really getting pressured. 
but their last two games have not been very impressive. Uh, at Oregon State, again, they need that late drive from Caleb Williams. And against Arizona State, you know, I mean, 42 to 25 against a team that just fired its coach isn't that exciting. It was 21 to 17 heading into halftime. So, like, this was legitimately a game. But I, I don't love it. All right. We have to talk about this because once upon a time, when we were doing our offseason, like, 10 biggest games that we're excited about. BYU Notre Dame, man, we had it way up there. We were fired up for this game. It's in Vegas. Notre Dame's off a bye week. Notre Dame lost its first two, including one to Marshall. Barely beat Cal. Could have lost that one. Put up some points against North Carolina. Not that North Carolina has a great defense. They're on their backup quarterback because Tyler Buckner got hurt. 7-30 against BYU in Vegas. Could this still be like a really good football game, even though it's not as juicy as we thought it once was? Because I think BYU is still good. And is Notre Dame maybe not as bad as people thought after their 0-2 start? I think so. Uh, it's going to be, I think, a really good test for Notre Dame to figure out was that 45-point performance against North Carolina Notre Dame improving or was it that North Carolina might have like the worst defense in the entire country? I think it's going to be a good question. Um, You know, BYU, they just have, they have had so many bad breaks and they've just not played up to their potential so much. And and really, you know, the one thing that you felt really good about consistently is Jaron Hall and, and Jaron Hall, I think is playing at a really high level right now. He should be getting his receivers back. Gunnar Romney played against Utah state. That was huge for them. Chase Roberts has missed some time. Puka Nakua still hasn't really played as yet. I, I would love to see a fully healthy BYU team going up against Notre Dame. And, and I think that, uh, that this game really could go either direction. I hope people are healthy and I hope this is good. Uh, let's talk about one more game. Let's talk about Texas, Oklahoma. Why wouldn't we talk about Texas, Oklahoma? Well, it's a, it's a playoff show, but th- this is the game that uh, that I will be attending this week. So I guess we, we oh. do have to at least let me know what I'm in for. Are there going to be, is every, but every other fan base in the Big 12 going to be in the parking lot protesting, like, get out, good riddance kind of thing? Is this, this is, is there a weird vibe to this? Because these are two huge rivals who are now bound together against everybody else in their old conference who hates them for leaving, but also doesn't really care that they're leaving because right now neither of them are particularly good. So the the funny stat is there are four Big 12 games this weekend and exactly one of them does not feature a ranked team. And that would be this one <laughs> because Texas Tech is playing at number seven, Oklahoma State, number 20, Kansas State playing at Iowa State. And then the ranked matchup, TC versus Kansas. So this is the first time. Actually, actually, can you guess the last time that Texas and Oklahoma played when neither of them was ranked in the top 25 oh let's say like uh 1988 no close 1998 so basically basically every stat that has to do anything with oklahoma football right now is either this is the first time since before lincoln riley got here as offensive coordinator or this is the first time since before bob stoops got here that's basically every stat that's going on with this season right now for oklahoma which you know probably probably can't feel that good probably can't feel all that good uh bizarre game um dylan gabriel probably out for this game which is 
horrific news because Oklahoma has nothing else at quarterback. They are a disaster behind Dylan Gabriel at quarterback, and they're not that good with Dylan Gabriel at quarterback, to be quite honest. Uh, Defensively, of course, we saw what Oklahoma's issues were last week. This is actually the first time since 2009 that Texas is favored in this game, which is, again, unbelievable. This is like, I feel like I signed up to go watch two trains run into each other. Like, this is, this is like unbelievable. This is historic in the way of like, I can't believe that it's this bad. This is, this is crazy. I have to watch it. And seems like Quinn Ewers back for Texas at quarterback. Very possible. Probably back. Yeah. This does, this would be an opportunity against like a reeling Oklahoma team that is now missing its starting quarterback, maybe for Quinn Ewers to drop like five touchdowns on them. Because it's such a huge opportunity for Texas, Oklahoma's probably going to win with their third string quarterback. <laughs> okay. We'll leave on that note. And, and by the way, by the way, uh, the, the quarterback who might be starting uh, for Oklahoma in this game could be General Booty. Oh, wow. You're going to have so much fun covering this. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. You're going to have a great time. Can't wait <laughs> to read crazy. it at cbssports.com. Uh, thanks to you guys for being part of it. Apple Podcast subscribers, you get the extra bonus episode each week. That's $2.99 a month. You get four in the month because we do a bonus episode every week. We got Shahan all riled up, and he was ranting uh, on the bonus episode, Five Things in College Football That Are Driving Him Crazy. That was a good show. We appreciate you guys making this part of your week. Tell your friends who like college football, hey, these guys – Talk about the playoff. Talk about playoff teams. But we wanted to make sure that it's not just Bama, Georgia, Ohio State every week. We have some big games ahead, right? We're really we're getting into the part of the schedule where um, we're going to be thinking about USC, Utah. We're going to be thinking about Penn State, Michigan. We have some great games coming up for now for Shahan J. Haraja. I'm Doug Maurice, and that was the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line.